And at this particular point, Paul has basically said everything that he intends to say. And also regarding instructions and directions to the Colossian believers. As you know, um, Epaphras was, was the pastor of that church. And he may have evangelized that area and actually started perhaps several churches in what's called the Lycus Valley, River Valley area, where he was perhaps a disciple of the Apostle Paul. When Paul was in Ephesus on his third missionary journey, he spent quite a bit of time in Ephesus. And Colossae is perhaps 100, 120 miles east of Ephesus. And so Paul taught in the school of Tyrannus for two years. And it's probably during that time that Epaphras became a believer and he carried the gospel back to that area. Because Paul said that while he was there, the gospel went out through the whole province of Asia. And um, Ephesus was the capital city of Asia. This is not Asia in terms of where China and India and so forth are located, but it's actually in Asia Minor, which is Turkey, modern-day Turkey today. But anyway, they developed a really good relationship, and the gospel went back to that area. And that's how the gospel, one way the gospel actually spreads is someone will hear the gospel and God will move up upon their hearts to take it back to where their particular location might be and to share it in that area. And who knows, with uh, Ramey, um, the people that you are inviting, they may hear the gospel and take it back to their area as well. That's how one way the gospel spreads. But we've come to verse 7 of chapter 4, where Paul now gives some concluding remarks and greetings. And usually, and this is his pattern, this is his style, this is the way he ends his letters. And, uh, but this is also sometimes possibly that some of us also ends the letter as well. But there's some good information here that we can learn from. A true servant of Christ is not so much concerned about his position or prominence in the church or in the world. He is not so concerned about who knows him or who may not know him. Those are not his major concerns. He's not concerned about honor or recognition from his friends or co-workers, even on a job well done. He's not concerned about accolades. Although he seeks for and strives to have a good reputation by those who are outside the church, but he's not concerned about how they may consider him. He's not necessarily concerned about applause or recognition from superiors in the workplace to keep him motivated to work and to do his job well with excellence and integrity. At this point, we may ask a question. If a true servant of Christ is not so concerned about those things, well then, what is he concerned about? Or what is she concerned about? Well, I think there's probably two things that a true believer is really concerned about. 
And these two things actually drive and motivate this person. Number one, they are concerned about their faithfulness to Christ and their faithfulness in the ministry of Christ and the gospel. The second thing is, is their loyalty to Christ, their devotion to Christ as a slave. I think the last time I talked, um, I talked about we are slaves of Christ. And we'll hear that term again today. And this is exactly what the person that we'll spend most of our time talking about was concerned about this morning. We will meet a person by the name of Tychicus, T-Y-C-H-I-C-U-S. It's probably a name that some of us may not know so well or may never have heard of. But we will learn a lot about him this morning in his faithfulness to Christ and the gospel ministry. And what I would like to do before I get into the verses that we will cover, which will be verses 7 through 9, I first want to read those verses, and then I will, go, in a sense, go away from them and talk about a little background of Tychicus, the man that we'll speak more about this morning. Verse 7 of chapter 4 reads as follows. As for all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bond slave in the Lord will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. So what I want to do now is give a little bit of background about who Tychicus actually is. We first meet him in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. You may turn there if you would like. And at this particular point, Paul had collected offerings from the Gentile churches to take to Jerusalem. And this was on his third missionary journey. And there was a group of men who are identified, and they were going to accompany Paul to Jerusalem to take this offering to the poor saints there. And Acts 20, verse 4, reads as follows. And he was accompanied, that is Paul, by Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians and Gaius, or Gaius, of Derby and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. So Tychicus was a faithful servant in the ministry with Paul for quite some time. We don't know what city he's actually from, but we do know that he's from the province of Asia. When you look at the last part of this verse that we just read, it says, and Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. This is the province in which Ephesus is located <clears throat> that we talked about a few minutes ago. We know he's from there. We don't know whether he's from the city of Ephesus or not. That's quite possible. But we do know that Ephesus was the capital of the province of Asia during that time. And that is probably during the time when he perhaps encountered the Apostle Paul. 
We don't know exactly when he became a believer, but it could have been during Paul's third missionary journey, or he could have been a believer already. We just don't know for sure. And, but, but that's a possibility. We also know that during that time, Paul preached and taught in the school of Tyrannus, as I mentioned earlier, for about two years. And the gospel, again, went out through the whole province of Asia because what would happen would be people would come, as Paul was teaching, people would come to Ephesus and hear the gospel because Ephesus was a major city and there was a commercial-type city and a lot of activity, trade activity, commercial activity took place there. And there would be people traveling back and forth from other cities coming to Ephesus. And they would hear the apostle as he preached. In fact, I believe that this was one of Paul's missionary strategies was to go to major cities. For example, Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a major city during the first century. And Paul went there and he preached. And people in the surrounding area heard him when, he, when they would come on their regular business, perhaps, because this was a commercial center. And they would come and hear the gospel and take it back with them. And those who became believers would share that gospel with those in their home city or home uh, location. And as a result of that, the gospel was spread, which I think is a wonderful thing. It's not listed anywhere, as I read the scriptures, that that was Paul's strategy. But if you notice, he had a tendency to go to major cities. Usually, a lot of times, they were on a, a seaport area. There was, they were port cities, and there was a lot of traffic, commercial traffic there. And people would come, and many would actually hear the gospel. The verse that I mentioned about uh, uh, all the people in Asia heard the gospel is actually in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, if you just want to write that down for your notes. But anyway, Tychicus became a very faithful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he also became a very faithful servant in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. He probably served with him for quite some time. And the second uh, meeting of him is in Titus chapter 3, verse 12. Titus chapter 3, verse 12. He says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus, he, Paul is writing to Titus now, to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Now, we don't know if Paul sent Artemis or Tychicus but we do know that Titus was the pastor of various churches on the island of Crete. And whether he sent Tychicus or Artemis, we know that Paul deemed Tychicus to be qualified to serve as interim pastor at least for a time. So he had some credentials. He had been with Paul, as I mentioned, for some time, and I'm sure Paul had trained him well, uh, Titus was a pastor there, and he wanted, Paul did, wanted Titus to come to where he was in Nicopolis. And Titus, I mean, uh, Crete was not a very good place. Well, not, I wouldn't say it that way. It was a difficult place to be pastor. I would say it like that. Because listen to what Paul wrote in Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. 
He says, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said this, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, went on to say, this testimony is true. So with people like this, it must have been a challenge even for Titus, who was a well-seasoned minister of the gospel, because he had spent a lot of time with Paul, perhaps even before Tychicus began to spend time with him. And he goes on to say, for this reason, reprove them severely so that they may abound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, listen to this, but by their deeds they deny him being detestable and disobedient and worthless for every good deed. So this is Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. And the last time we meet up with Tychicus is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. The apostle says that he sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And there's a few other verses I would like to read in that section as well. But beginning in verse 12, he says, But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Now Paul is in a Roman prison, or actually a dungeon in Rome. And this is his second imprisonment in Rome. And it's from this imprisonment that he will not be free again. He will never be a free man again. He will be released, but only to be martyred. And that's that's actually what happened to him. But notice in verse 9, he's talking to Timothy or writing to him. He says, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Paul was basically alone. Only Luke was with him. He was under the ground and um, in a very difficult place, waiting basically execution. So Timothy, of course, was one of his good friends, one of his best friends, and he wanted to see him perhaps one last time before he was executed. I don't know, or we may not know, or the scriptures may not say whether Timothy was able to go there or not. But verse 12 says, but Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Now the reason Ephesus is important here because at that time, Timothy was actually a pastor at Ephesus. We read in 1 Timothy where Paul had actually left him in Ephesus to give oversight and direction to that church and to set things in order as he had also sent 
uh, Titus to Crete to do as well. Now, we're going to go back to our passage, but before we do, we will notice that in this section, we go back to Colossians now, chapter 4. In this section, it goes all the way from verse 7 through verse 18, and it's basically divided into three parts. It's divided into three parts. The first part is our verses today, verses 7 through 9, where Paul is sending Tychicus, along with Onesimus, whom we'll talk about in a moment, back to Colossae to take this letter to them, as well as for Onesimus to return home. And perhaps there's a few other letters that they will take as well. And in verses 10 through 14, which will be covered next time, a series of greetings and instructions, as well as in uh, verses 15 through 17, and his own greetings and perhaps some brief instructions. But today, we will only talk about Tychicus and Onesimus. And I'll start out in the Roman numeral 2. These are Paul's authorized messengers who will deliver the letter and give encouragement. That are the, that's their two main priorities. That's Paul's two main priorities for sending these two men back to Colossae. If you think about it, Paul had been away in prison for some time, perhaps a couple of years, two years perhaps. And Epaphras, who was a pastor of that church in Colossae, had also been away. And in Paul's letter, if you noticed, Paul didn't say much about himself. Whenever he did say something about himself, he was basically, it was basically in the context of, of his concern for them. For example, he spoke about, he wrote about how often they were praying for them and uh, so forth and how they were thanking God for them. That's, those are the two main things that Paul talked about in the letter regarding himself, but it was not about him personally. It was basically in the context of the ministry to the Colossians when they would eventually get the letter. And just picture this. <clears throat> they are there in Colossae, Epaphras, their pastor, has been in Rome in house, with Paul in, under house arrest. And Paul hadn't, they hadn't heard from him, perhaps. And Paul knew that they wanted to know how they were doing. And so usually what happens, happened during that time was that a person might write a letter to talk about the doctrinal aspects of what he's concerned about. But there was a lot of communication verbally and orally. And so in this letter, Paul doesn't mention much about himself. So now he's sending Tychicus primarily, but also Onesimus to Colossae for them to give a report concerning the affairs of Paul and his companions in Rome. Uh, he wanted to know that whether or not they were probably anxious. They may, have, they may have been concerned about them. They may have wanted to know, that is, those in Colossae, was there anything that they could do to help them, whether it was a financial issue or whatever it may have been. So that's what Paul was doing in this particular situation. He says in verse 7, as to all my affairs, Tychicus. So Tychicus, along with Onesimus in this case, 
are going to tell the audience there in the church at Colossae about what is going on with Paul and those with him in Rome. But that's not all he's going to do. He's sending him to do some other things as well. But before he does that, he talks about Tychicus. Notice the next few words. Notice how he describes Tychicus. He describes him in very exalted, lofty language. Notice what he says. Our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow slave. This is exalted language. This man, Tychicus, is a very faithful, reliable, trustworthy, dependable man. Paul could trust him. He had perhaps sent him on other ventures that he would be a part of. Instead of going himself, he would send Tychicus to go. So let's look at some of this. Let's notice the language that Paul is using here. Our beloved brother. That implies what? That Tychicus was a believer. He was a Christian. And Paul knew that. He was a genuine believer. He was a true saint in the family of God. Paul loved and accepted him as a true brother in Christ. Not only was he loved by Paul, but apparently he was loved by all the others that he came in contact with, all the others that knew him. He was loved by God because God had saved him. He was a beloved brother wherever he went to serve as Paul's ministry companion. Not only that was he a faithful brother or a true believer, but he was a faithful servant. Tychicus was completely trustworthy in dispensing thoroughly and faithfully whatever ministry charge that he may have been given. That is an amazing thought. To be so faithful and trustworthy that Paul could trust him to carry out whatever it was that he had commissioned him to do. Paul is sending this man, perhaps over a thousand miles, to Colossae. Now, when we think about travel, it's a little bit different the way we think about it and how it was then. We could get on a plane at DFW or Love Field and travel to Los Angeles, California, or New York City, New York, and come back in the same day. Though each trip is probably over a thousand miles. From Rome to Colossae was perhaps over a thousand miles. But it couldn't be done in one day. Because they had to spend a lot of time on foot traversing the land and also on perhaps several boats and then the land again before they got to Colossae. So this was not a quick turnaround. This was not an easy trip for them. There was perhaps danger along the way, as you think about it. So Paul entrusted Tychicus to take God-inspired letters to this church. He wasn't carrying ordinary material. He was carrying the Word of God. This letter, or these letters, in fact, we'll talk about it in a moment, but this letter to, to the Colossians would be read there. It would be used there for direction and guidance in terms of how to honor Christ and how to serve him and how to relate to one another 
and those outside the church and so forth. So Paul, was prob- um, Paul had probably sent basically three letters by Tychicus to take to Colossae. Not to Colossae, but to Ephesus and Colossae. When we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22, you may want to turn there, we see Tychicus again being listed. And notice what's happening there. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. The language is very similar. He says, but that you may also, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister. We just read that. We just read that. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that we may comfort your hearts. So we see that Paul is not only sending Tychicus to Colossae, but he's also sending him to Ephesus as well. Because he had written a letter, apparently he'd already written it, that was going to go to Ephesus. But it probably went to more than Ephesus. If we look at the beginning of Ephesians, there's something you may have noted already. It's, uh, it says verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at really blank. But in the margin it says, three early manuscripts do not contain at Ephesus. And if you look at the original, manus- if you look at the original text, it does not contain Ephesus. If it does contain Ephesus, it's just kind of in a sense where it's not in the original. Because this was considered a circular letter, which was probably taken to various cities in the um, Asia Minor area. It may have gone to Laodicea. It may have gone to Colossae. We don't know where all it went. But it went to more than to Ephesus. So Paul is sending these men not only to Colossae, but to Ephesus as well. It's probably the first city that they would have come to. If you notice, Ephesus is, at that time at least, it was on a seaport. And traffic was easy. It was easy to get there by, by, by water. So he was sending it to not only, he was sending them to not only Colossae, but to Ephesus as well. So this was a very long, arduous journey that Paul had sent these men on with inspired scripture that we have even today that we can study. That implies that Paul had the utmost of confidence in this man. That he was going to faithfully deliver these letters to their intended destinations without failure. He was going to do everything in his God-given power and ability to take them there. Paul knew that, and Paul entrusted him with them. Number three, he was also a fellow slave in the Lord. He was a fellow slave. Our text says bondservant, but the original word is doulos, which means, it's actually soon doulos. Soon means fellow, and, slave, and, and doulos means slave. 
So he was a fellow slave in the Lord. Paul called himself a slave. And that's why this man was a fellow slave. The indication or the implication here is that Tychicus had an all-consuming passion and burning desire to please his master. What does a slave want to do? What does he want to do above everything else? Please his master. A slave wants to please his master. And that's what Tychicus wanted to do. So Paul called him. He put him on the same plane as himself. He called him a soon doulos, which means fellow slave. He put him on the same level as Epaphras. He called him a soon doulos, a fellow slave in the service of Christ. He was a faithful man, and he could be trusted. So when I was reading this, I was asking myself, can I be trusted like this? And I'm going to just ask you, since I asked myself. I had to wrestle with this. Can you be trusted like this? Can someone who's sending something by you, be trust, can, can they trust you without staying up at night? and being worried that it's going to get to where it was intended. Paul could trust Epaphras, I mean uh, Tychicus, to do that. Letter C, under Roman numeral 2, he says, concerning all Paul's affairs, Tychicus will bring you information. If we were to look at this, let's go, I'm in Ephesians, but let's go back to Colossians. If we were to look at this, and read it, and don't mention about Paul's, I mean, Tychicus' condition, I mean, credentials here. As for all my affairs, I'm beginning in verse 7, Tychicus will bring you information. If we just skip that part for now. So he's, he's saying that Tychicus will bring you all the information that, that's concerning me. Paul is sending Tychicus in his stead. In fact, Tychicus was not just going to drop the letter off and just keep on, leave, keep on going. He was going to spend some time there. Just think about all of this now. It's going to take some time, perhaps months, for him to get there. And now he's going to spend some time there. He could spend a considerable amount of time there. Because not only was he going to drop off the letter, he's going to tell them what's going on where Paul is and the companions that are with him. And not only that, he is going to also provide some information regarding the letter that's actually being sent. Tychicus may have stood and read this letter in front of the congregation. There may have been some questions by the congregation regarding this letter. And Tychicus was in a position to respond accurately to whatever questions they may have had. In fact, this letter may have been dictated to him by Paul. We don't know. Tychicus may have written this. He may have been the one who physically wrote this down from Paul's dictation to him. During that time, there was a man or a person by the name of, by the title of Amanuensis. You may have heard that. Amanuensis. And Tychicus may have been the Amanuensis for this letter. He is the one who receives the dictation and writes down the letter or the, ver the words that are actually dictated or given to him. And Tychicus may have been the one to do that. I can't say for sure. 
he is the one we know who took it to the Colossians. So either way, I'm sure he would have understood the contents of this letter. So he may have stayed there and read the letter, and also any questions that may have arisen by the audience there, he may have responded to those questions as well as well as giving them information regarding Paul's circumstances in Rome. So he had to be a man of trust. He had to be a man that could be trusted. Also, as I was reading this, I, I turned back to Acts chapter 6. You know, um, there was a, a situation that arose among the believers in Jerusalem, especially among the, the widows of the Helen the Hellenistic widows and the Hebraic widows regarding the daily serving of food. And they took it to the apostles. And the, the apostles said, look out among yourselves and find seven men that we can put over this, put in charge of this. And they gave some criteria regarding the men that they should choose. And one of the criteria was that they had to be full of faith. They had to be faithful to the Lord. They had to be faithful in their ministry. Verse 5 says, this is chapter 6 of Acts, verse 5. The statement found approval after the apostles had said, look out among yourselves and find these men. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose these seven men. And in verse um, not this, it's another verse where it says that they were full of the spirit. Oh, in verse three, full of the spirit and wisdom who we may put in charge of this business. But we will devote ourselves to the ministry of prayer and to the word. The statement found approval and the man, the men that they chose were full of faith in verse five and of the Holy Spirit. So they had to be faithful men to be in charge of that. Even in a physical situation, in, in ministry, a person still has to be faithful, whether he's actually teaching the Word of God or serving in some other way. We're looking, God is looking for faithfulness. One of the verses that uh, I was reminded of as I was studying this also was that uh, this was an, a situation where Paul could actually serve as a trainer for different men. He could actually be a discipler of different men. Those who were with him, not only were they involved in ministry with Paul, but they were also being trained by Paul as well. And that's one of the things that Paul commanded Timothy to do. He's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, turn over there for a moment. This is how ministry works in the church. And that is how ministry is working even in this church right now. Not only is, do we have pastors and elders in this church, but the pastors and elders are looking out for faithful men that they can train for further service. Notice what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. He says, These things which you have heard from me in the presence of witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an amazing verse when you think of it. This is a very precise verse. Notice what Paul says. These things, 
What things? The things that Paul had taught Timothy, which Timothy had heard from him in the presence of many witnesses. Notice what he says, entrust these. And these things, uh, these things, uh, uh, the things is the antecedent of these, which means they are the same thing. In other words, teach as you have been taught. Teach as, as you have heard it and learned it from me. Don't teach something else, is what he's saying. He says, pass this on to faithful men exactly what you have learned from me and heard from me. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Yeah. And so that is, in other words, the things these entrust. And 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says this. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. God is looking for trustworthy people. God is looking for people that he can trust, that will do what he has commissioned them to do without exception, and he will enable them to do it. Now, the ministry of Paul to Tychicus to the Colossians was twofold. We've talked about basically one of them, that you may know my circumstances. This is letter D, uh, number one, that you may know about our circumstances. We've already talked about that, so we don't need to belabor that anymore. But the second part, and that your hearts, or that, you may, that he may encourage your hearts. The first part of this is more informational, but Paul is more concerned than about information only. He's concerned about ministry. He's concerned about people being encouraged and built up in the faith. So we don't know exactly what this will contain, but we do know that usually when people are being encouraged or when we see people traveling in the, in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, as they're traveling, they are encouraging the believers to whom they are visiting with. And usually they are encouraging them from what? The Word of God. They're encouraging them from the Word of God. So Paul wanted these believers there to be encouraged. You know, at this particular point in time, as we read in chapter 2 of Colossians, there were false teachers invading the area. False teachers were coming in. Paul may have had Tychicus to tell them or encourage them to stand firm, to hold on. Don't waver. Don't vacillate. You have all that you need. You have been saved by the gospel that Epaphras has preached to you. He was faithful. He preached the true gospel. He preached the same gospel that I preached. You believe that gospel. You, you hold on to that gospel. Christ is sufficient for you. Christ is all you need. You don't need what the false teachers are selling. In fact, the theme of this letter is the all-sufficiency of Christ. You already have Christ, which means you have all that you need. In fact, let me just look at uh, chapter 2, verse, verses 9 and 10. Notice what the apostle says about Christ. This is in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For in him, that is Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, that is Christ, you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. So 
Paul, uh, Tim, uh, Tychicus may have been encouraging them from some of the contents in this letter, talking about the person of Christ and how sufficient he is for them and that they don't need anything else, that anyone else is trying to persuade them to believe and cause them to get off track concerning their faith in Christ and their love for the brethren as we read earlier on in this letter. So Paul wanted them to not only give information concerning him and those who were with him and what was going on there, but also to give them encouragement of heart. Letter E, the second man with Tychicus is Onesimus. Now we haven't talked about him, but as I said earlier, we do plan to talk about him in greater detail when we get to uh, the little one-chapter letter of Philemon. The story of him is that he was a slave of Philemon. And for some reason, I don't know what they may have been, he didn't like the circumstances there living in Philemon's house. So he decided to run away. He ran away to Rome, and Rome was a large city. Many people there. Some estimated it to be about two million people at this time. And he was probably thinking, I, perhaps I can run away and just blend in with that large number of people and never be found and never have to go back. But God had other plans. God's providence is absolutely amazing. It is amazing how this man ran into, somehow, by God's providence, the Apostle Paul. And whenever you ran into him, you would hear the gospel, right? You would hear the gospel. So Paul shared the gospel with Onesimus. And God acted in that gospel by his spirit and gave new life, the new birth to Onesimus. And he became a believer. And I'm sure while he was there, I don't know how long he was actually with Paul, but I'm sure Paul was discipling him there as well. Because Paul not only evangelized, but he also discipled people. He was not only a missionary, but he was also a pastor. Paul did a lot of pastoring in his ministry as well. So he was affirming him in the faith, and he was also building him up in the faith. And so it was time now for him to go back. Paul wanted to keep Onesimus. I don't want to get too far into uh, Philemon, the book of Philemon. But... Uh, he, didn't, he decided not to do that. He wanted to send him back because he was actually a slave of Philemon in whose house this church was probably meeting. Philemon was perhaps a wealthy man and he owned some slaves, I don't know how many, and he probably, the church at Colossae probably met in his house. And so now it's time for, Phile I mean for Onesimus to go back. But he's not going to go back as the same man. In one sense, he's going back as the same man. He's not going to go back just as a human slave, but he's going to go back an, an entirely different man. Let's go to verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, that is with Tychicus, Onesimus is being sent to him. And I want us to notice how Paul actually describes him. Notice what he says in the second part of verse 9. 
The word our is there in our text, but it's really the faithful and beloved brother. What does that imply? He's a believer now. He's a Christian now. And so he's now to be treated just as any other Christian who may be, who may be visiting that church. He's a faithful and beloved brother. And if that is not good enough for those who are receiving him back, he says, who is one of your number? That is, this man right here. This is the same man that left you as a runaway slave, but now he's been brought back to you as a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome him. Welcome him back. He's, he's, he's a faithful brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, that is a wonderful title. But you notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say the same thing about Onesimus that he says about Tychicus. Why do you think that? He doesn't call him a uh, soon do loss. He doesn't call him a faithful servant. But he does say the first part, he's a beloved and faithful brother. But he doesn't call him all that he called Tychicus. Why do you think that may be the case? This is a question that I'm asking. He's a new convert. Yes, he's early in his sanctification process, so he hasn't had the experience that Tychicus had had. But he also wanted them to know that he's not the same man that left you. He's not the same man that ran away from you. He's now a believer in Christ Jesus just as you are. He's a Colossian, and he's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He left at you in one way, but he's coming back another way. He still, he still belongs to Philemon, but he's now a different man that Philemon has. And another thing Paul said, the last part of this verse, it says this. They will inform you about the whole situation here. If you notice earlier in verse... Um, Eight, for example, he says, for I have sent him. The antecedent of him here is Tychicus, singular. But now, at the end of this section, they will inform you. So that's plural, implying that apparently Onesimus will play some part in the discussion concerning the circumstances that's taken place there. He didn't charge him for anything doctrinally necessarily, but, but to talk about the circumstances that's extant or going on in Rome where Paul is and his other companions that are there, he will be involved in that aspect of this mission. So Paul actually gave him something to do, which is typical of Paul. So we see here a faithful man, Tychicus, who could be fully trusted he was trusted by, by Paul in all of the various ministry activities that Paul had assigned to him that he was engaged in as he served along with Paul. And, of course, he sent him on this thousand-mile journey to take these letters to these different locations, and he entrusted him to do that. He was a very faithful man. So the question is now, as we wrap this up, what can we learn from this? I actually have two questions that I want to ask 
in the way of application to this. Why was Tychicus so loyal and faithful in his ministry? Why was he so loyal and faithful in his ministry? Just think about that. He was a very loyal man. He was a very faithful man. His main concern was not about comfort and leisure and those kinds of things. He wasn't afraid to face the challenges and the difficulties that went along with ministry. Why do you think that he was that way? I'm, I'm throwing it out. Why do you think so? Huh? Yes, exactly. He had been changed or transformed by the power of the gospel, just like you said. When I think about that, I think about Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Let's turn there for a moment. Acts chapter 20, I think it's verse 4. I didn't write it down, but let's look at it. When Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, um, he had been hearing from different ones, and even by the Spirit, that he was going to suffer for going there. He was going to, the Jews were going to persecute him at, because he, he went there and he's no longer a part of, I don't want, I don't want verse 20, I mean verse 4. I want, um, let me just read beginning in verse 22 of Acts chapter 20. And behold, and now behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. This is Paul speaking. Not, only, not knowing what will be, happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But notice verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to me. Why? So that I may finish my course and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly to the gospel of the grace of God. I think that's an amazing statement. This is how I want to be. I want to be like chapter, uh, verse 24. I want to not consider my life of any account as dear to myself because it may get in my way of fulfilling God's ministry calling for me. But he wanted to fulfill that ministry. Did he do it? What does uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 says? I have finished the course. I have completed. I have kept the faith. And so Paul did complete what God had entrusted to him to do. And Tychicus was on his way to doing the same thing. The second question I have by way of application as it relates especially to Onesimus. How do you treat 
new believers. Onesimus was obviously a new believer. And um, how do you treat, how do you treat new believers? How should he have been treated? And how do we treat new believers? Hmm? With love. We should welcome them. If a person, we don't know much about them perhaps at this point, at that point, or whatever it might be, but we should accept them. If they are giving their testimony and how they came to Christ, we should accept that because we know that we were not, we were not always believers. We were not a believer at one time. God changed us, so he may have also changed them. So we receive them and accept them as fellow believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I think that's a good point. I think that's an excellent point. And Paul was in a position where he would, apparently he, he didn't do that. He would always recognize their maturity level and give responsibilities based on where they are spiritually. He would also disciple them. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. I think I, I, I uh, initially, before I understood as much as I do now, which I still, I'm still lacking in a lot of understanding, but um, I always thought of Paul as being like an evangelist or a missionary, which he was, but he was also a pastor. And his aim was not only to present the gospel so that people could hear it and be saved, but also to build them up in the faith, where they would be strong in the faith, where they would not waver under whatever pressures and circumstances that they may encounter. And all the false teaching that was going on then as well as now, so they could stand firm in the truth of the gospel that they had learned. And that's what a new believer, I mean a seasoned believer does. So there's quite a bit we can learn from verses like these. It's more than just closing out the letter, but there's applications as well. So may the Lord help us to be faithful, as Tychicus was, and I'm sure Onesimus, as he progressed in his sanctification process. Let's pray together. Our Father, we rejoice in your goodness to us in Christ. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this letter. We thank you for the truths that we have learned from this letter up to this point. We thank you for faithful men like, like Paul and Tychicus and others that we will learn about as we finish out this letter. And Father, may we be faithful. May we be faithful to all that you have called us to do, no matter the challenges, no matter the difficulties. We know that if you call us to do it, you will supply what we need to enable us to do it. So may we trust you and may we be trustworthy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.